When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Well, hello there, Penn State football fans. It's time for the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. We're going to talk Penn State hoops. Uh, in this edition, Dave's also uh, wants something wants to get something off of his chest regarding that weird Chargers Raiders uh, result on Sunday that nearly became a tie. But Dave said it was never going to happen. You got to check out his column about it on Penn Live. We're going to talk about that too, Dave. But we do have a little bit of Penn State news to discuss. Uh, you know, one thing involving potentially Penn State's opening game at Purdue. Supposed to be, it was September 3rd. There's now some reports circulating that it could be moved to a Thursday night game. Well, that would be September 1st. That's kind of interesting. Uh, I think you and I were at a Thursday night game when Penn State, in 2018, they played at Illinois. That was uh, that was in early September. I guess there's talks that may, they might open the season. Uh, Penn State at Purdue, very interesting game. Uh, it could be Thursday night. What do you think? I've done a few of those. Um the season opening games. You remember the kickoff classic, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love the old kickoff classic. Games. The old love kickoff it. classic at the Meadowlands was pretty cool. It was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you never really knew what the hell was going to happen because every, everyone's predictions are, are BS until you yeah. see a few guys play, especially until you see the kids play. There can be freshmen who, or sophomores who haven't played who can, who can really be surprises. So I yeah, I remember I mean the first game that I ever did on the Penn State beat as a beat guy, as yeah. as the lead beat guy with Ronnie was 30 years ago against the defending national champion Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets <laughs> at at the Meadowland. Do you even remember that game? That was that was that the Georgia Tech team that wiped out Nebraska to win the national championship? Yeah, and they, the didn't citrus, they destroy them in the citrus bowl. In the citrus bowl. Yeah. Come yeah. on. But not the Joe Hamilton team that that, that no. Bill O'Brien helped coach later. That was a few years later. It, it's always kind of an interesting thing um, when the season begins in a, in a night game. Uh, some of those kickoff classics were afternoon games. Uh, I remember going to one. I mean, did you go to? Did you cover a thirty-four to five game? The USC game, right? Yeah, uh, the Curtis Enos game, and then it was twenty-nine to five. Oh, twenty-nine. Uh, when Paul Hackett's team. Chopped them up. I think that was the 2000. Yeah, that that sounds funny, right? Uh, <laughs> Paul Hackett coaching USC and beat them up uh, in 2000. I think it was Richard. The first year Richard Casey was the quarterback. Uh, so that was kind of ugly. I, I can't get all that excited about a Big Ten game. Uh, but but Purdue is a really interesting team. 
yeah, no matter when you play them. And that's going to be a tough game for Penn State because uh, Jeff Brom's kind of got it going. I mean, they they won nine games this year. An interesting team all the way through the season. Upset Michigan State, gave Michigan State their first loss. Um, whipped Iowa in Iowa City. Yeah, and w- really, really whooped up Iowa. Whooped them. Um, they, they beat them up. It, it, you know, it's funny to say that they, they would beat them physically, but they kind of did because they don't really run the ball that well. Anyway, an interesting uh, team, so that that won't be an, an easy yeah. You know, Purdue, not all that long ago, Purdue was a pretty soft touch, you know, and, yeah. and since Jeff Braun showed up about five years ago, not so at all. Yeah, I'm excited. And I think a lot of people are excited about the game, Dave, Dave on Thursday night. It is. A, I think it's the first ever matchup of 35 year old starting quarterbacks, too, in college football history. <laughs> Sean we'll Clifford, see, we? Aiden O'Connell, right? Is that his name? Will we, we will see. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell was a walk on. Yeah. Um, he uh, really came out of nowhere. Kind of, kind of had to pry the, the job away from Jack Plummer, their other quarterback. Are you absolutely saying that Sean Clifford is going to be the starter? The first, you're, you're just. I am not. I am not saying that. I, I do think the way that they've handled the quarterbacks in the past, it's going to be real hard to beat him out early in the season, Dave. Just because of the way you're going to know, you're going to know, know all you need to know about how they work these quarterbacks in spring. I mean, I, I don't think Sean Clifford needs to do a lot this spring, but you got three young quarterbacks who have obvious physical gifts. I mean, just just let them out there, let them run around, turn them loose, see what you have, and then you have a better idea going into August, maybe what the what the talent gap looks like in year one, if there is one. There shouldn't be certainly a limit on reps in practice uh, yeah. during the summer. I mean, everyone should should be able to get a fair shake at this job, I think. From what you've seen of Drew, have you seen Drew Aller in person? I can't remember. I have not. I have not. He's, oh, I mean, there were some highlights. I saw a little bit of his. He was in an uh, a uh, All-American Bowl, I think, over the weekend. The kid's a giant. He's, he's every bit of 6'5", 230. And he's got a rocket for an arm, but, you know, Penn State's been down this road before with a rocket-armed five-star quarterback <laughs> that they just have. So I think I think you're going to need to know see a little bit more of him. A lot of people like Bo Prabula too. Christian Veyu is not. I don't. I, you know, I wouldn't dismiss him. Although Yersich has some weird. He, he was very curt in his answer about how he was looking in the bowl practices leading up to the Outback Bowl. He said like one sentence about him, and then he just he just gushed with praise about Prabula. An hour. I don't know what that means. All I know is I, I just think that Sean, he's coming back and it's a, it's a challenging early schedule. And if they're going to work them, they should work them in August. But I really want, I really think they got to evaluate these young guys. Um, and they have to have a, a pecking order, I think, going into the season. Uh, just because Sean's probably going to get hurt if he, if he is the guy. The way that he plays, he takes a pounding. They're, they're going to need more than one quarterback, I believe. The elephant in the room is that most Penn State fans, I would guess, think they want to see one of the younger quarterbacks. Correct. Would you agree That's with that? Feedback and, I've got. Absolutely. And true. I don't know of a nice way to say this because I don't want to pile on yep. a college kid, but Sean Clifford is going to be 24 in July. Yep. And there are, I think maybe it's time, you know, we, my, my argument is that we know who he is. Yeah. You're, you're probably not going to see a lot of improvement at this point. Uh, for NFL scouts. So 
I guess he he just wants to go to grad school and still likes to play football, and that's fine. But I don't think there's any guarantees once you get to this point in a kid's career, uh, including the starting job. We'll see how that goes. Other coaches have named a uh, a freshman or a sophomore the starter in these situations, even with a longstanding incumbent. Maybe not one of Sean Clifford's stature, but it has happened before. I kind of agree with you. I don't think. James Franklin's going to do that. I don't think Mike Gierce is just going to do that, but it has happened. It's there's, there's precedent for it before. And it's not like we're back in the days of uh, it took four or five games for Joe Paterno to unseat an incumbent quarterback, even if if it was first his first year. I mean, you remember what Zach Mills had to go through in 2001. I think it was week five against Northwestern before he got the job from Matt Seneca. And Max Seneca was not exactly an incumbent. Richard Casey had been the start of the year before, but he was the elder statesman. And so he was made the starting quarterback. Those days are over. Uh, I think a transfer portal and yeah. mobility of kids and, and the, the way freshmen have been playing quarterback for years now, they come in and start and are fabulous right away. CJ Stroud is a perfect example. I think the days of all that going on are over. And I I think if you get a prospect like uh, either Prabula or Aller and you think they're the best guy to help you win, put them in, man. Put them in. Yep. I'm with you. Hey, Dave, before we get to the national championship game, I just wanted to get your thoughts on LeVar Arrington. You actually covered him. You were on the beat with Ronnie Christ. Uh, Just a spectacular athlete, um, 98 and 99, especially 99. uh, Memorable player. One of, one of the all-time favorites, I fan favorites, LeVar Arrington, elected to the College Football Hall of Fame, I think the 2022 class, obviously. Just your thoughts on him. What was he like? How much did you enjoy covering? I a blast. Think- a a yeah. blast to cover him because he could not be controlled in any way. <laughs> not verbally, <laughs> not physically. Sometimes early in his career as a freshman, and you remember when Micah Parsons just started playing? Yeah. He was still thinking out there and you could see it. I remember somebody coming up to me in a hotel. I can't remember where we were and asking, oh, what about this Micah Parsons? I just said, wait a while. He's yeah. just figuring it out. Once he figures it out, he's going to be flying around the field. And that's the way it was with LeVar. Uh, yeah. His first year, he wouldn't stay in lanes. I mean, he just freelanced all over the place. And Paterno got pissed off. And he put Aaron Gatton as first team, <laughs> first team linebacker. I, I sometimes joke with LeVar now, even on the phone, yeah. if I call him, I said, well, you know, you know, Aaron Gatton. <laughs> he, he probably gets a kick out of that. Oh, he, he always laughs. So it never fails to get a laugh out of him. And, you know, those days are over, too. I mean, you're not going to do that to a kid with that kind of talent now, but that was Paterno back then. And and he eased him in. He really did. But yeah. I mean, you couldn't keep him off the field. You, you couldn't keep him off the field and you couldn't keep him from saying whatever he wanted. And I remember Joe Hermit taking a photo of them on the sideline. I don't know, it was about 15 years ago, probably about 2008 and LeVar came back. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I remember this. Remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah. And LeVar's got his dreads tied up in the back. And Joe's Joe's got his hand on him like he's, he's grinning, but he's got it going like this. And Lavar's just laughing because that was the stance. I mean, he was the their modern day uh, Matt Millen, the guy who just could not be controlled. And he was going to 
going to do what he was going to do. But it, it was, it was a, a blast covering him. It still is. It's still a blast to talk to him. Uh, yeah. One of those guys like Millen that you never have a bad time talking to. Right, right. I just wanted to ask you this, too, because it's my understanding that to be to be eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame, you have to have had at least one season where you were consensus first team All-American. Is, does that I didn't sound know like that. I didn't know that was true. I, I, th- I think really, it is. I've never really been plugged in with that. Yeah. Uh, because that, I, I that wondered, season. like, early when I was on the beat, I don't think Lenny Moore, I don't know that he made it to the College Football Hall of Fame because I don't think he was ever a first-team All-American, so he wasn't eligible. Well, but maybe that should be changed. The, uh, well, well, the reason I bring it up is I, I just looked it up because I can't believe it. How is Courtney Brown not in the College Football Hall of Fame? I didn't know he don't was. Understand that. Yeah. You know, I've always thought the College Football Hall of Fame is kind of like local Hall of Fames in yeah. a way. You go through some of the, some of the guys who aren't on there. In yeah, the, I've, I've said that before about what <laughs> this guy's, or maybe he's finally elected like twenty years after he was eligible, and I'm like, wait a minute, why wasn't he in there in the first? How? Place? The, I mean, I think I, I'm on his Wikipedia page. I've been googling it for the show. I don't have any reference for him. How in the world is Courtney Brown not in the College Football Hall of Fame for what he did during those two years at Penn State? Like, yeah, how is that possible? A force of nature. I will <clears throat> never forget that Outback Bowl against Kentucky, New Year's Day in 99, where, uh, I mean, they're just ter- – he and he and LeVar were terrorizing. Um, Tim Couch. Tim – I couldn't think of his name, Tim Couch. Yeah. You can't miss NFL quarterback. See, there's the, actually, that's, a, that's an example of a guy who went to – who did he go to, the Colts? I forget. Browns. Went to a bad team. Went to – a bad organization that couldn't protect him. He was uh, the David Carr of, uh, of well, his she's. He, he was about the exact same time as David Carr, probably the year before. That kind of segues into something I wanted to talk about. You watched the okay. game last night, right? Yes. You know, I could have written something about Stetson Bennett going from, you know, it's a great story, going from a walk-on to, the, to having a great play, a great couple of plays. Uh, or the Georgia defense, which was just about as ferocious as anything we've seen. That Georgia defense this year, I compared them to the 85 Bears of college football in that they were that fearsome. Yeah. They were that imposing and intimidating, except for one game. And of, of course, for this team, it was the SEC championship game. Miami Dolphins, Billy, yeah. Billy O'Brien figured them out for, for one game and shocked them and surprised them and got 41 points. But it only happened once. And, of course, back in 1985, that was the Dolphins on Monday night. Oh, you know. And it never happened again either. But the reason they could do it in both cases was the quarterback. And I just thought Bryce Young in defeat was spectacular last night until he just got so beat up that he threw a couple of bad balls late. Uh, almost like a punch drunk fighter. God, yeah. he was just getting the crap beat out of him and making throws with guys freight training him right in the face. They they let some stuff go last night as far as that, as far as hits that were bang, bang. I didn't think they were really penalties, but if a flag had been thrown, you wouldn't have been surprised, stuff right. like that. Anyway, he was getting hit. I mean, Nicobe Dean hit him once. Yeah. The, the the defensive end, Trevon uh, Walker, hit him hit him hard one time when he was rolling right. Uh, he was getting beat up, and God, he just showed me so much the way his composure, his demeanor, his body yeah. language, 
his body language, it was he was imperturbable. I mean, he never, ever gave up that he had to be hurting like crazy. He had to be discouraged with yeah. the receivers. He's got third and fourth line receivers there, some a couple of whom couldn't catch the ball, put the balls right in place. He had to be discouraged. I'll bet NFL scouts were more impressed with his composure and his durability and his tenacity than anything else about the way the way he threw the ball and he threw some yep. great balls. I don't think Penn State's offensive line would have matched up well with Georgia. <laughs> I don't think so. You were just waiting for the punchline. How? Yeah. How? I don't know how that would have gone for yeah. Penn State. I don't know that we'll ever see Penn State play Georgia. So there's that. But there, it's just those athletes. We've said it for years, but these two teams are these two teams certainly aren't going anywhere. I mean, they're going to be with the way they recruit and the way they develop. And it's a different level of football. And they were clearly by the end of the year, the two best teams. I mean, I don't even know. You know, there wasn't a third team. I think that could have even even hung with those guys. No. And and I mean, how about Jordan Davis? Holy (laughs) crap. You know, the guy's like 360. And he moves. <laughs> Have you ever seen a guy that size move like that? No, no. Uh, and I can I, only I imagine. He's probably, a, he's probably a great athlete. He probably just really, I bet you can dunk a basketball. Yeah, he's like Indomitian Sue was, except springier yeah. and bigger. You know, he's probably 40 pounds bigger than Indomitian Sue was at Nebraska, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Faster straight line and just a terror. I mean, it, I, I guess I suppose he could get hurt with that kind of weight going that fast, but my God, I mean, the Georgia's whole front, these are guys and Alabama, some of Alabama's guys, these are guys you just never see in the big tent. <laughs> do you, I mean, yeah. do we ever see anything? There's a rare, there's a rare Michigan or Ohio state athlete, maybe, but they, they don't have like 13 of them on their team. Well, we, like, we think George, George Karlaftis from Purdue yeah. uh, uh, as the stick-out player, or Aiden yeah. Hutchinson from yeah. Michigan. Yeah. But they're not like these guys. It's <laughs> not even close. It's not remotely close. That Alabama kid that's not eligible for the draft, he, I think he had 35 sacks this year. Uh, you know, I don't know. How, I think he was better in the first Georgia game, but the outside linebacker, he was a phenomenal player too, and he's got to watch next year. Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Yeah. Will Anderson. Yeah. Uh, but but he's he he didn't have the volume of guys around him that yeah. Georgia did. I mean, I don't know how you pick your poison with that defense. And OB shocked them one time, but I just had a feeling they weren't going to shock him again. Yeah, and losing those two receivers, uh, Michi, Michi in the first game and Heard William. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's just rare to see that many athletes that playing. That was ferocious. I I can only imagine what the Georgia celebration was like in Indianapolis last night, that must've been, I mean, well, those people waiting a long time for that. They've been waiting a long time. Do you see, (laughs) do you see Dooley? (laughs) Do you see coach Dooley out there? I saw Uga. Uga looked like he was a little warm. No, that you must've turned it off before Vince Dooley came Uh, out. He was, he was, uh, he, he gotta be 90, right? I suppose. But he he looks yeah. spry out there. Yeah. Well, Dave, that that Georgia team that won in '80, Herschel Walker. That's the first time I can remember seeing a guy who was just you know, it was it was a sign of things to come down the line. Now they just have 
15 guys that are built like him instead of just one back in yeah, Alabama's got a guy like that every a new one every yeah. two years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're just they're freaks. But uh, Najee yeah. did it again. I mean, he's he's a great back. Najee is. I mean, they're they're they just keep stamping them out. And we think it's great when somebody like Saquon Barkley comes along. <laughs> right. But here he is not too durable. And those guys. They play and play and play in the NFL, and it seems like they never get hurt. I mean, am I missing uh, a yeah. catastrophic injury for any of those guys? It's actually all the injuries happen to the Penn State kids. It's, it's yeah. the running backs. They all do. <laughs> I hate it's to true. say it, but uh, usually, yeah, usually the the Georgia or the Alabama backs, like a guy like he's not even a big guy. Mark Ingram, he's short, but he's powerful. But he's still in the league, and I think he won the Heisman in 08 or 09. Yeah, and they just keep coming. They yep. just keep stamping them out. So it's the big, powerful, fast guys. Big Ten has big, powerful guys, or they have fast guys, but they don't have big, powerful, fast guys. And there's so many yep. of them in the SEC. And like you said, man, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. With NIL down there, they're yep. just going to get, you know, the local used car dealer and say, Coach, what do you need? You know, and there, it's going to be open season. And I say, so be it. I'm not one of those guys who thinks it's going to be the end of college football. It's just going to be what we had in college football, except above board. And it's going to be legal, but it's going to be the Wild West. It's going to be out of control. And, you know, the SEC is going to have no no compunction about they're not going to be worried about about what it looks like. Put it that way. I mean, they're going to shell out whatever money to these kids. They need, and they don't care. They don't care. I mean, it's 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 a professional game at the SEC level, and that's what I thought I was watching last night. I was like watching a low-level NFL game. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Okay, Dave Jones, you choose. Next topic, is it Penn State men's hoops or is it the Raiders-Chargers game that had you frothing at the mouth? (laughs) Well, um, since I really haven't gotten to talk to you about it, did, did you watch it or were you just blitz out drunk? I mean, what, what condition, what condition Dave, were you in? I enjoy my Sundays. I have a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> on Sundays. I appreciate the question, Dave. I would not character. Obviously, obviously, I enjoy my Sundays. I would not characterize uh, it the way that you did. Does that make sense? Well, the best part of the game was like uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock on a Sunday. And I just I know just, you. Uh, you. You made some really, really good points in your column. But the odds of three scoring possessions in a 10-minute overtime, I don't know how they did that. I just don't know how they scored three times in overtime. How about, about a 19-play, 83-yard drive uh, to finish regulation? It did, I, don't, I don't think you really were paying attention. I think you were probably in a condition. To, I mean, be honest. I mean, it's okay. You've had a whole day of watching the NFL. Maybe you weren't really paying attention. But I wasn't really paying attention. Like that drive, that drive was incredible. It, it was incredible. And Justin Herbert, 
is going to be a special player. He really is. He already is. Um, yeah. He already is. But my God, he converted. Yeah. I think he converted three fourth downs. Collinsworth and Michaels. Al Michaels keeps getting these legendary events. And trust <laughs> me, and we're not just talking about the miracle on ice or three rounds of thunder, which he was at. He did that. We're talking about stuff like the 86 ALCS with Donnie Moore, um, the, the game, the game five in Anaheim, uh, where the Red Sox won with Dave Henderson's. They got three Rondo runs. Henderson. Yeah. I mean, that was it's one of the great baseball games of all time. Now Michaels did that. This is on that level. I mean, there are consequences. It's not going to probably be remembered that way, but this game was wild. And what the strange thing about it, all Steelers t- fans know, is that the only way the Steelers would not make the playoffs is if there was a tie. Now, I like – how do you feel about ties in general? Because I like ties. I used to <laughs> like ties back – I don't think you can really remember because they quit having – they started yeah. overtime in 74 you yeah. were just a little boy then, right? Sometimes you deserve a tie. That's what you deserve. Yes. I mean, you don't. You can't just say we're going to play it all as a winner. If they hadn't gone to the two-point conversions, Penn State and Illinois would still be out there playing. Yeah, I think ties are illustrative of who coaches are, too. Yeah. What could you say? About, I know you're too young for this, but the Michigan State-Notre Dame game in 1966. 10-10. It was 10-10, and it Bob showed exactly. It showed for the great coach there, Parsegian was. It showed who he was. He was okay with that. The, Woody and what didn't Woody and Bo play to a tie? Yeah, that was a, they were trying to win the game. And then they gave the Rose Bowl to the Rock. Yeah, the <laughs> ten ten tie in seventy three. <laughs> but I'm talking about illustrative of who a coach is. I think the eighty three de facto national title game between Miami and Nebraska showed who Tom Osborne was. He he went for the two when he didn't have to, and. When you have ties back in those days, you saw these kinds of things. Plus, there were also games that deserve to end in a tie that just aren't very good. And you just want it to be over with. There were a lot of those games back in the late 60s and early 70s when I was so into the NFL. And I went back and looked and I I thought this was true. We've kind of decided that ties are unmasculine. They're, They're effeminate. And no one should like having a tie, which is total BS. You know, just strong stance, Dave. Strong stance. You know, that's that's American culture right now. You have to have a winner. Well, you don't have to have a winner. One of the the most masculine coach in the history of the NFL was who? Vince Lombardi, probably. They had two ties the year that he coached the Redskins before he died of cancer in 1969. There were years where teams had three ties. My brother-in-law coached on a, a Michigan team that almost had four ties. Yeah. The undefeated 1993 Michigan Wolverines very nearly finished the season 8-0-4. They, <laughs> they did finish at 9-0-3. Um, I think it was 92. We were at the blockbuster. Didn't, didn't uh, McPherson at Syracuse famously play to a tie against like Pat Dye in a big, a big-time bowl game, and he didn't really try and win it? Do you remember that? Syracuse-Auburn? I think, do you remember that game? No, where, no, I think Syracuse no. was undefeated. I'll have to look it up, but I think he played for a tie rather than try. One of them did. One of them did. I remember that though. Well, it shows who guys are, yeah. but we've gotten to a point where Amer- American culture just is not going to permit it. 
and you're <laughs> you're considered a pussy if you accept the tie at the end. Here, and here were two teams. All they had to do was tie the game, and they both get in, and they would not do it for for one reason or another. Just they just wouldn't do it. the The Chargers coach, it was an interesting Haley, an interesting guy. guy, a Cleveland guy who it was a quarterback for the Dayton Flyers in college, and he's he he, he looks like he's twenty four. He does, uh, but he's analytics heavy. You would say, right? I mean, he's he's very into that. They go for it a lot on on the minus side of the field on fourth down. This game's ready to end. Um, it really looks like the Raiders are just going to run out the clock. They're running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. I mean, the Raiders were going to – they were going to accept the tie. The Steelers would have been screwed. And yet <laughs> Staley decided, no, he's the smartest guy in the room. But, man, he's on his own 39. The ball's on his 39. There's 38 seconds left. And he decides it's on a timeout. I mean, come on, man. Just take your playoff spot. And if he had, if he hadn't done that, you could make a pretty good case that the Raiders would have just run out the clock. But no, he's got to be the, the man with the calculation, the man with the better way, which is kind of a masculine kind of thing right now. And uh, who's the interim Raiders coach? I can't remember that guy's name. You know, he looks like. Mr. Macho man, he's got the graying goatee yeah, yeah. and all that. And and Gruden probably would have hired a guy like that. I don't know anything about him. But yeah. you could just see, and and Derek Carr admitted to Michelle Tafoya after the game, was the strategy changed when Staley called timeout? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> so if he doesn't call that timeout, they don't try to kick the field goal. I mean, they did run for 10 yards right after that, and they're in position for a a 47-yard field goal by Daniel Carlson is one of the best kickers in the league. Hasn't missed a kick in yeah. that new SoFi Stadium uh, all year. And it was like a chip shot for him. So uh, you could make the argument that if Staley doesn't call that timeout, both of them get in the playoffs. And, and, <laughs> and, and so you, you have the smartest guy in the room on one side, and you have the indignant guy on the other side, which are both kind of macho traits. And neither one of them really wanted a tie. They just needed an excuse. Give, give me an excuse to not take a tie, and I won't do it, even though it's beneficial to both of us. I just think it was illustrative of what this country is about right now. Dave, let me just see, let me see if I have it straight so far on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. We've talked about LeVar Arrington in the College Football Hall of Fame. Talked about Georgia beating Alabama. We talked about Penn State possibly uh, playing their season opening game at Purdue now on a Thursday night, but. I think that I think the headline for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast is ties are for pussies. That's that's <laughs> what I'm going with. That's how you feel. You're not shying away from it. I think it's a, it'll be a, gr- a great clickbait headline. I might get fired, but I don't know. I'm you know thinking what? about doing it. I think you know I'm thinking about doing it. I like ties. And you know what else? I like soccer. I like soccer too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got like two minutes left, man. We're, we're running over. Do you want to talk Penn state men's hoops or not? Can well, you be brief? I think Micah Shrewsbury is doing a really good job with not much. And they've got a kid from Siena named Jalen Pickett. who reminds you of Earl Monroe. Now, if I had Ooh. been there, I got to watch it with COVID right now with Omicron because I'm diabetic. So I haven't been to a lot of, uh, since my last Penn State road trip, I haven't been to anything. I just have to Earl the Pearl. watch it right now. But I would love to go over there and, and talk to Jalen Pickett. Uh, name a guy from the past who would just get a guy 
he pounds, he dribbles too much, but when, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he wants to do. And he, he dribbles, dribbles, gets a guy on a hip. And then he does that swivel thing. Remember Earl Monroe who, who would do that? You know, he, he does this swivel thing back and forth with dribbles and then has the fadeaway. I mean, it's like the old man game at uh, a guy you think would have a knee brace at the YMCA. That's the way he plays. And I love it. So right. he's, we need he's, to get you a, up there. We need to get you up there for a game if it's, yeah. if it's possible. Yeah, as soon as we can, as soon as we can. All right, that's it then, right? And anything else? I'm going to take Kaiser out and run him around again. He he can, it, what is it, 19 frolic. degrees there? Is, I don't know what yeah. it is here. Does it's he like frolic? Cool. He sprints, and he loves it when it's cold, and he just goes and goes and goes. It's 22 right now, so you can't tire him out. He's like a racehorse that never <laughs> lathers up. I mean, he just keeps going. The other thing about big dogs is when they get old and they know they can't do the stuff they do anymore, they turn into great old dogs, too. Yeah. They act like you. They're like, eh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, give me, give me a few minutes to, yeah. to, to yeah. warm up. They, they adapt like Jamie Moyer did late in his career. He still was <laughs> able to win games at like 48, but he just wasn't the same guy when he was 28. No. That's all. Yeah, no. So you throw to contact. You throw to contact. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to keep Kaiser from his walk. Uh, Blue White Breakdown podcast Tuesday. Dave Jones, Bob Flounders. I'll be back with Daniel Gallen a little later in the week. Dave, I, you better watch that Rutgers Penn State game. And I want to I want a strong take from you next Tuesday when we chat on that. You need to keep you need to start watching. And since some and some some, you know, Billy's doing some good things with St. Joe's, too. And he's he's right. he's got he's got not much. And so you okay. should be watching that. We can talk about that. All right. See All right, see ya. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.